Well, to those of you who are new here, my name is Nathan Harris. I am the lead pastor here at Celebration Center, and we are truly excited to have you all with us. Just a, a note, at the end of the service, if you missed the petting zoo, it will still be here, um, just out the, the north lobby out here. There's, there's going to be the animals out there, and we've got some hand sanitizer and bathrooms for you to wash your hands and all of that. But I want to welcome you to, to go ahead and experience that Thank you again for being here. Um, you know, I love Christmas. Christmas is one of my absolute favorite times of the year. And I don't know about the rest of you, but there's lots of times we get to the end of the Christmas season. It's like when all of the radio stations that have been playing nothing but Christmas music, it's just bam, done, over. We're, we're moving on to something new. And, and then I just kind of get that, oh man, that, that's a bummer. Anybody else feel that way a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy the Christmas season. I enjoy what it brings. I enjoy the fun that I get to have with family, with friends. I've got family here right now, and, and it, is, it is truly just a joy. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. It, it is a joy to, to be able to celebrate and, and to hang out with people. Um, but as much as I like the lights and I love the music and, and I enjoy the family time, there's something about Christmas that I love even more. And that is, it's the story. It, it's the story of Christmas. It's what Christmas is really all about. Don't get me wrong. I love the gifts. I love giving gifts. I love getting gifts, okay? So I, I love all of that. But, but there is something about this story. We all experience stories. We are all living stories, aren't we? We've got different things that are happening in us, around us. Maybe something's happening to us. And those are our stories. And what the Christmas story explains to us is that God takes notice of our stories and then he enters into them. We're not alone. We're not alone. And so what I want to do, I want to take the next few minutes here and I want to read the Christmas story out of the book of Luke. You don't have to worry about uh, turning your Bibles anywhere or anything. I just, just listen to it, hear it. Maybe like it's the first time. Maybe it is the first time. That's okay. But, but just hear this story that I'm about to read to you. Luke chapter two, verses one through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. In other words, Caesar, a long way off, said, I want to count everybody. I want to know who I get to tax into oblivion, okay, and, and fund my stuff. So everybody's got to go to their ancestral home to be counted. So that's what they were doing. Verse 4, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. In other words, Joseph is an heir of King David, okay? He's a descendant of King David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were all terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see uh, this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Many of us have heard or at least somewhat familiar with this story, right? Linus quotes a huge part of it in the Charlie Brown Christmas, right? I I grew up watching that. I love that. We hear what Christmas is all about from this cartoon character, and I love that. A far-off ruler wants to know how many people he's ruling so he can charge them for living. You ever feel that way? Joseph and Mary, this Mary who is uh, pregnant and unwed, go to be counted and experience great hardship along the way. There's no room. There's no guest room for them. They have to go to the next best place. There's hardship. After the birth of the baby boy, angels show up to a bunch of shepherds and celebrate. And then they send these shepherds off to see and to celebrate this baby for themselves. What on earth does this story have to do with real life? where we live, where we work, where we play, in our circumstances, maybe in our, 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 our broken relationships or the lack that we experience, whether that's in, in finances or, or health or, or whatever else that you can possibly imagine or you are going through right now. What does this story have to do with real life? Let's face it, we don't need to look far to see how broken our world is, do we? Within our world, nation fights against nation and and sometimes they even fight their own people. We see this on the news all the time. In our own country, we are sharply divided between politically between right and left. We see much in the way of prejudice. People judge and treat each other harshly when, we, when, when they find that people don't agree with them 100% on what their ideals are. The marks of sin and brokenness are all around us. And the only way to avoid them is to just walk around with our eyes shut 
but then we're still left dealing with the aftermath of all of it anyway. What does this story, this Christmas story, have to do with real life? I'm here to tell you it has everything to do with real life. In, in the story we just read, Luke places the setting of the Christmas story in the Roman Empire and specifically under the rule of Caesar Augustus. Augustus was the adopted son and heir of Julius Caesar. Okay? And what Augustus did was he actually went, and after Julius Caesar had died, he went and he had Rome declare Julius Caesar a deity. They called him a god, and they said everybody had to worship him. And what that did for Augustus was that made him son of God. Essentially deity himself. Augustus had more recently completed a bloody civil war where he brought peace, so to speak, by smashing his adversaries and rivals. Once he did that, he extended this so-called peace throughout the Roman Empire by ending Rome's republic structure and forming it around himself as its first emperor. The sole ruler. And then he used that same strategy on the rest of the world that he ruled in order to establish his peace. This was Rome's version of peace. This was life under Rome. Bound together with that was the reality that the Jews had been living for close to 500 years under oppression. Because of their disobedience to what God had told them, they were living in a state of exile. They, many of them were in their homeland, but they couldn't rule themselves. They were forced to live under the rule of pagans who limited their lives and their worship. They couldn't even worship God the way they wanted to. They longed for the fulfillment of promises that God had made, all while God was saying, I'm putting you in a timeout, so to speak. That's what the exile was for them. God was promising to make all things new, to make all things right. And they were waiting for promises like what we read in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. It says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. In other words, there's going to be an end to the strife. There's going to be an end to all of the bad stuff that's going on. And it goes on in verse 6, For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Now, when we think of peace, we quite often think of quiet, right? An end of some kind of strife. Some mess that we have been in the middle of is no longer affecting us, at least momentarily. Kind of like a mom or a dad who seeks refuge in the restroom, pretending that they need to use the facilities just so they can have a moment's peace from the chaos, right? Hey, can I, just being real, okay? And then what happens about 30 seconds after you lock that door, the chaos comes crashing around. Somebody's screaming outside the door. You're getting a, a pound on the door and all of a sudden the peace 
is ended. Chaos is reigning yet again. When we think of peace, we often think of escape from unwanted circumstances and the end of whatever strife we are encountering. But that's not the peace we see spoken of in the Bible. It includes that eventually. But when the various authors of the Bible speak of peace, they're speaking of something that goes beyond the end of strife and the end of chaos and into a new and different way of life where all things are made complete and whole and working as they have always been intended to work. In other words, where all is as it should be. Where everything is as it should be. And it's into the setting of Rome and its versions of, version of peace that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came. Into the setting of Israel and its exile from God, Jesus came. And to the shepherds, some of the lowest in, the, in social strata at the time, the angels came announcing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. Everything becoming as it should be. They were just living their lives. They were just doing what they knew to do. And in the middle of that comes Jesus. Not based on anything any of us have earned or done but solely on the love of God. The time has come. The wait is over. God is making all things as they should be. And he's doing this through this child born in Bethlehem. Not made Caesar's heir, but David's heir. The promised ruler of the world, not bringing a heavy hand, but dispensing God's grace and his love, not grabbing for power, but giving life. The story of Christmas is the story of God with and for us. It's the signal that life as we have known it is over. It's over. That God is making all things new. That he's making them as they should be. He is bringing us peace. It's hope for our every situation because it's how God has taken notice of us and acted on our behalf. My wife, Jessica, my beautiful bride, she goes and she volunteers at my kids' school from time to time. And when she goes in there, some of the kids she encounters have come from some pretty broken situations. Some of them are getting yelled at every day before they get to school. Many of them don't know how to do th their work. Okay, Some of them aren't getting enough to eat, so they may or may not have had a meal when they come in. But when she encounters those kids, she gives them encouragement. She enters into their situation and helps them to learn she calls out their best and empowers them. You guys, that's exactly what God has done for us. 
He has entered into our circumstances and he is making them as they should be. They may not be what they should be right now, but he is making them as they should be. And just as the shepherds were invited to go and search for the child wrapped in the cloths, lying in the manger, we are called, regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done, how good we've done it, how bad we've done it, regardless of our social standing, regardless of, we, of whether we identify Democrat or Republican or something else, regardless of all of that, we are invited to come, to seek out not the baby in the manger, but the one who has passed out of death and into life. The resurrected Jesus and to worship him by following him, following him with every fiber of our being, of who we are. What does the Christmas story have to do with real life? It has everything to do with it because it's the story of how God has loved me, how God has loved you. That's what we're celebrating tonight. That's what we're celebrating this season. I want to have the band come on back up. We're going to sing one more song together. Before we do that, though, I want to pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you are for us. Thank you that you do not require us to measure up to any kind of a, a level of goodness or ideology or any of that, but you simply give us your love because that's who you are that you enter into our circumstances and that you are making us as we ought to be, that you're making our world as it ought to be. So we invite you here tonight as we sang earlier in, in, in the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, abide with us, we pray. Help us to see who you are. Help us to know you and be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, the ushers are gonna come by. I want you guys to stay seated. We're gonna do our candle lighting. I want you to stay seated just so that, in, you know, it's less likely that we accidentally light our neighbor on fire this way, okay? Um, but just stay seated. The ushers are going to come by and they're just going to go down the outside edge and they're going to light your candle. And you just reach over and you light your neighbor's candle, okay? And we're going to do this while we sing Silent Night together. Let's make this... As we do this, let's make this our remembrance of what God has done with us 
in us and for us. You guys, take just a minute, look around, look at the light. Let this light remind you of the light we have been given. Not because we've earned it, but because God is pleased to give it. May the peace of the presence of the God who deeply loves you and the knowledge of that love fill your hearts and your minds this season and the rest of your lives.